Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Take your Bible this morning and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we began last Sunday a series called The Great Eight, Great Assurances from Romans chapter 8. And we're looking, focal verses are the verses that have an eight in them. Last week we looked at a verse that talked about that living in the flesh does not please God, and we talked about the war of the wills. Remember that? But this week we're going uh, to verse 18 as our focal text, and this was already planned out. I had no idea what was going to be happening this week, but God is in control. And this is our text for today. Our focal verse is verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And this is the great assurance in God's word that no matter our present sufferings in this life, there is a glory up ahead and around the bend that will make even the great suffering of this present time seem small by comparison. But every text has a context, and so I'd like for you to stand with me as we read together Romans chapter 8, uh, verses uh, 16. We're going to back up a little bit and catch something from uh, the previous text that we looked at, verse 16 and through verse 27. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible, and beginning with verse 16... The Bible says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs with God, and heirs also, fellow heirs with Christ, it is if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Verse 21, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know the whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly. For our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. You can be seated. 
Have you ever noticed that something is always broken or breaking down in this life? Over the last several weeks at my house, it's been my riding lawnmower. The engine wasn't running right. Something was terribly wrong with it. And after some time and help from friends, I discovered that it needed a new carburetor. I've never put a new carburetor on any kind of engine at all. And so I ordered it and I installed it and I was ready to turn the key. But just in case, I got a fire extinguisher nearby <laughs> and I turned it on. It ran like a top. Woo, man. I was riding that in my lawnmower. The neighbors next door were looking over the fence at me. And I was, woo, I'm, I am victorious. And then suddenly something happened. The steering went out on it. I mean, it was like nothing. It was just spinning in my hands. And so I stopped it, saddened. My neighbor's still watching, by the way. Pulled up the hood, looked at the steering column looked underneath it could find nothing wrong with the beast and so back to the garage we went now I found out what was wrong with my lawnmower and I'm going to tell you at the end of my message <laughs> we live in a broken world things are always breaking down whether it's our bodies or our decision making processes um, our social life, our, our political system, in our churches, in our communities, in our schools, in our souls. And this is cause for a lot of suffering uh, in the world in which we live today. And we try to fix it, but oftentimes it's beyond our control. You know, a side effect of, of suffering is a loss of direction. And I think we're seeing a lot of that in our culture and in our country today. But God has a word for us, amen? In his word, in his word are directions for us. And today we're going to find several reasons for our suffering that if we understand and apply them, will get us back on the road moving in a right direction. And so the first thing I want you to see is the inherent nature of our suffering. The inherent nature of our suffering. We live in a broken world. Every human being suffers from brokenness because of something called sin. We are sinners by nature and we are sinners by choice. And we have inherited its consequent sufferings and we have passed that on from generation to generation. Now please be careful because... Uh, Sometimes we see things happen to people and we wonder, what did they do wrong? You can't always trace a current, present suffering to some particular sin that somebody has. But we do know that over the long history of our world, going all the way back to creation and Adam and Eve, that all of the suffering in the world can be attributed to original sin as a result of the fallenness and the fallen nature of man's sinfulness. Even Christians suffer. Verse 17, Paul talks about our being children of God, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. And then he says, uh, if we suffer with him. That's interesting. 
I'll talk more about what that means in just a few moments. In verse 18, he talks about the sufferings of this present time. You see that? The sufferings of this present time. Now, Paul was talking about his present time and all that he was going through and the people of his generation were going through. But every present time has sufferings and they are considerable. I'm here as your guest preacher during this season because your pastor is suffering through a present time of treatment for cancer. And um, we're all sorry about that. But I want to say he's doing well. He's doing better than most because of your prayers and your support. But one reason that I'm here is because of the reality of, of suffering in the flesh that we have. And you know other people who are suffering health maladies, other kinds of things are multiplied by hundreds and thousands. But the sufferings of this present time have considerably been amped up this last week by two things which are on our minds as Southern Baptists and also Americans. First, there was a report from our own Southern Baptist Convention of a cover-up concerning sexual abuse. Wow. I don't know what happened there talking about underlining something (laughs) a cover-up of sexual abuse in our churches that actually name names wow this is an example of people and please understand this is what we talked about last week and that's why we started in Romans 8 with the problems of the flesh I'm assuming that a lot of these were maybe Christians but they got into the flesh and they allowed the temptations of the flesh to rise up and take rule in their hearts and in their minds and their bodies with devastating effect on people, especially women and children who have become victims of abuse. This is a time of sackcloth and ashes for our denomination as we hold ourselves accountable for allowing such a crisis to linger, we must do better, and by God's Spirit, we will. Second, of course, this present time we are in includes the horrific mass murder of elementary school children by an 18-year-old boy who exercised the full evil of the willful godless flesh by gunning down 19 beautiful children and and two teachers, and leaving families, a school, a town, a nation, once again bewildered and devastated by senseless gun violence. And all of this is happening during an ongoing war in Ukraine and and the other sufferings of the world at this present time. And I have a saying, there's no pain like the present. There's no pain like the present. And yet, we must take a look back and understand that there are some awful sufferings that we have gone through in the past year, in the past few years, and really, the years gone by, present moments, now past history, but with lingering effects. Now, this is Memorial Day weekend, a time to look back on the suffering and the sacrifices in our nation's history. A time to remember, in the words of Lincoln, of those who gave the last 
full measure of devotion. They gave their lives that we might live as a nation. And I know we tend to think of certain things and certain places that we've been, like, like Gettysburg or Pearl Harbor in World War II. And I've been to both places. And they are unforgettable places. But there are many other sufferings we have forgotten about or never knew about. For instance, did you know that more people died up and down the east coast of the United States during World War II than at Pearl Harbor? You said, well, the war wasn't even on the east coast. Yes, it was. And that really, I learned that last weekend at, in, in, at St. Simon's. We went to a museum called the World War II Homefront Museum, and that statement was there. The area in which we live was very important in the building of what's called Liberty Ships, the cargo vessels helping to supply the Allied effort uh, during World War II. And many thousands of people went down with these cargo ships off of our coast, torpedoed by Nazi U-boats protecting and defending freedom. There are so many in our history, military and civilian, who have suffered and sacrificed that we might have our freedom today. We dare not forget. One more present time I want to mention to you. And that is the numbers of Christians all around the world who are suffering for the faith once entrusted to the saints in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are more people dying today for the Christian faith than at any other time in the history of our world. And if you add to that the suffering and sacrifice of every Christian, of every generation that made possible our being here today, that made it possible to hold the Bible in our hands in our own language, well, we owe a lot to those who've gone before. Somebody once said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the gospel. We are the fruit of their sacrifice. So put together all the present times with all the past times, and the amount of suffering is insufferable. And that leads me to a second thing I think Paul brings out in our text, and it's this, the common experience of our groaning. The common experience of our groaning. I don't know about you, but when I read the Scripture, certain words always jump out to me, and, and immediately I see two words in our text that appear three times each. And the first one is groan. And by groaning, I'm not talking about habitual whining or complaining about trivial matters. We hear a lot of that. But instead, we're talking about a sound that is emitted from the deepest part of our hearts, a sound of deep distress or suffering. In the Old Testament, we find it a lot in Job and in the Psalms describing personal sufferings. In the New Testament Greek, the word means to groan or sigh together with someone else, to suffer great anguish together. And here in our text, and you probably have seen this before, but we find a trilogy of groaning. First in verse 22, we find the whole of creation is groaning. Paul compares it to childbirth. Tuesday, when I heard the news about another mass shooting, I groaned. And I felt all of creation groaning 
with us a deep sigh of distress. It's happened again. And then in verse 23, we find Paul saying, even we ourselves groan. And he's talking about believers, uh, that there are things that cause us as believers to groan. It might be bad news about a diagnosis in your body, or it might be a diagnosis about the body of Christ. Last Sunday night, when I was just checking my news feed, I saw the news come out about the Southern Baptist Convention, and my, my spirit groaned. And then Monday evening, I watched the news, which is always distressing anyway, and I was sort of hoping that it wouldn't be on the news, but there it was for all the nation to hear, and I was grieved, and I groaned again. But one of the things that I really like about Paul's wording is that when we groan, we do not groan alone. Amen? We groan together. There is a fellowship in suffering. And uh, here's an amazing truth. In verse 26, Paul says, the Holy Spirit groans. We're not alone. Others are groaning with us. God is groaning with us. But it's not just a groan of sympathy when it comes to the Holy Spirit. It is a prayer, an intercession for our souls. Let me demonstrate it this way. When we groan, when we groan, we might say something like, oh. When the earth groans, it might be something like, oh. But when the Holy Spirit groans, it's like, oh. Like a voice of recognition that God puts in us. That is saying, no matter the suffering, I'm still in control. And there is a reason, if not now, but that will emerge out of this suffering. And so no matter what, we need to hang on and we need to hang in. That's the Holy Spirit. And this gets back to verse 18. Uh, part of being an heir of Christ is being an heir with him in suffering. And that means in our suffering, we stay faithful and we choose to suffer with him and not without him. Sometimes in suffering, we question God. We become angry with God. And that's very common in experience. There are people doing that right now. They're saying, oh, how can God allow this to happen to those precious children Oh, how could God allow this thing to happen in our own beloved denomination? Oh, I've had it. I'm done with God. I'm done with church. I'm done. And we've all been there. Several years ago, a close friend of ours lost her father and her husband in one month. The first was expected. The second was totally unexpected. It was an excruciating blow. And I was talking with her some weeks later, and she was struggling with what she had been through, and, and also just struggling with the very idea of just walking away from the faith. And so I respectfully asked her this question, well, before you do answer this question, from here on, will your life be better Without believing in God anymore, or will your life be better to keep on believing in God? And you know what? The Holy Spirit showed up 
and gave her an oh moment. And she decided, despite everything, to keep on believing. She decided to suffer with him and not without him. And I'm telling you, on any given day, month, year, decade, or in your lifetime, bad things are going to happen. There is going to be suffering. And if you want to quit and walk away, there's always something that you can blame it on. I don't know about you, Brother Chris, but sometimes I get frustrated with folks in the church who hardly faced anything at all. And at the first sign of trouble, they're thinking about quitting or bailing out. And you know what I want to say to them sometimes? I want to say, where have you been? Haven't you been paying attention? People all around are suffering. This is happening all the time. But I don't say that. Instead, I put my arm around them and I say, oh. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will give them the oh moment and that they will decide to suffer with him and not without him. But you say, pastor, to what end? (laughs) I mean, I'm willing to groan. I'm willing to groan with others. I'm willing to join a choir of people groaning and sing every song in the minor key. (laughs) What's the purpose of it all? I had just one more point for you. And here it is, the expectation of glory. Where's all this suffering with him leading to? To the other word I find three times in our text, and that's the word glory. The groaning is leading to a glory. In verse 17, Paul says, we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. We find it in verse 18 that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with what? The what? The glory that is to be revealed to us. And then verses 20 and 21, I want you to look at again. It's going to be on screen. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now, there's a lot in that, packed into that verse, and we don't have time to unpack it today. And I've struggled with this, and I I really stopped, you know, after two days of working on this sermon and had to put it away and pray. And and the next morning I got up, and God gave me what I should do on on the basis of this text. And so I just decided to look at the word glory. And make each letter in the word glory mean something for us in the midst of our suffering. And number one is God. G is for God. God is glorious. The Hebrew word for glory is kabod. It's also the word for beauty and splendor. And so when we're going through suffering, we need to look up to God. Amen? To his glory, his beauty, and his splendor. The Greek word is doxa, from which we get doxology. And when we get a glimpse of God's glory, we just want to praise him. When we get a glimpse of Jesus, who suffered for us on the cross, well, let the hymn writer help us. Crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands, his side, those wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. God is glorious. Jesus is splendorous. But get this, 
God wants to share something of his glory with us. And I know the Old Testament tells us that I am the Lord your God and I will not share my glory with another. But we get over in the New Testament and we see Jesus was the living embodiment of the glory of God. And he died and was resurrected and ascended to heaven to send the Holy Spirit so that in some sense we might share something of the glory of God. And so we read back in verse 16 and 17 and we need to answer three questions. Number one, am I a child of God? You answer that question, are you a child of God? Yes or no? Secondly, am I, am I an heir of God with Christ? If you're a child of God, you're an heir of God and in fellowship with Christ. Is that true? Shake your head this way if it is, all right? Well, if that's so, then you need to understand where this verse goes. It says, am I willing to suffer with him? And if you're willing to suffer with him and through, through the things that you're going through, then God will share his glory with you. In some sense, in this life, but surely in the next, God will share his glory. So there's beauty, there's splendor and glory and suffering when we look to God. Second, L is for love. The simplest expression of who God is is found in 1 John 4, 8. God is love. And that love never changes, amen? Circumstances may change, but God's love never does. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at the end of Romans 8, and Paul is going to remind us that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so when we suffer, we look up for God, we look up for Christ, and we remember how much God loves us, and no matter what's happening, nothing can separate us from God's love. But oh! is for omnipotent. O is for omnipotent. God is beautiful and splendorous. God is love and loving, but make no mistake, our God is omnipotent. Our God is all-powerful. He called creation into existence. He holds all the cosmos together. He is in control. He can do anything, and he proved it by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And if God can raise someone from the dead, God can do anything. Can I get an amen? He can raise us up out of any crisis. He can raise us up out of any catastrophe. He can raise us up out of any crime. He can raise us up out of any lapse of character. He can raise us up out of cancer. He can raise us up out of any circumstance. Can I get an amen? And he invites us to call upon him and he will show us great and mighty things and to doubt our doubts and believe our beliefs and to say along with Paul, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so when we go through suffering, we look up for God and Jesus and we continue to suffer with him through our sufferings and remembering that God loves us and nothing can separate us and that God is all powerful and he will raise us up out of whatever we're going through. But R, R is for redemption. Paul speaks in verse 23 of waiting eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. Waiting eagerly. I love this. It's from a Greek word which means to raise up your head, to crane your neck. Have you ever done that? Craned your neck? 
Maybe it was to see something or someone that's splendid or, or beautiful. Maybe it was the, a president or the queen of England or maybe a newborn baby in a nursery at the hospital. Just craning your neck, wanting to get a glimpse of that. Paul says that we eagerly await the redemption of our bodies. Bad things happen to us on earth. Young lives are lost. Old people suffer. There is war and people are lost altogether and disappear. But this is not the end. This is not it. God has a glorious plan to redeem our bodies and to fit us for eternity. Yes, we do suffer here. But God, listen, God is going to make up for all of it in eternity. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, mind hath not conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Amen? And so we wait. God has a glorious plan to redeem our bodies and to fit us for eternity. And so when we suffer, we look up for God in Christ and we continue to suffer and we know that God loves us and nothing can separate us from his love and and that he's omnipotent and he can raise us up out of any suffering that we're in and and he's going to make up for everything we go through in eternity by the redemption of our bodies. But the last thing, why is for you? God, the loving, omnipotent, and redeeming God wants to share his glory with you as you suffer with him. All this groaning looks forward to glory. You don't believe that? Here's a verse for you. Colossians 1.27, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, what does that mean? I want you to think with me about the sun in the sky. There's nothing in nature more glorious to me than to see our sun shining in the sky. It shines so bright. It brings light and warmth. It's beautiful to behold at its rising and at its setting. And after a storm is passed, there's nothing more comforting than to see the daylight brought by the sun. Listen, God wants to share his glory with you in suffering so that you can shine like the sun, the son of God. He wants you in your suffering here on earth to reflect his glory as a testimony and a witness with a promise that one day he will make up for all of the suffering. Even all the suffering of this present time and all the present times put together and it will not seem worthy compared with the glory that is to be revealed, but it will take time. And sometimes in the midst of suffering, we lose our way. What can we hold on to? Well, this brings me back to my lawnmower. Remember I lost my steering? And I went back to the garage and, and I began to look it up in the instruction manual. And then I did what so many of us do. I pulled it up, tried to find a YouTube video of somebody fixing it, right? But I could not find one. Nobody had fixed this. And so I was desperate and I had to start taking my lawnmower apart, which is dangerous. And I got into it, began to take some things apart, and then I found it. 
I found it. It was amazing. I, I found the problem. It was a simple clip that had broken. It holds the steering wheel up in the right place to engage with the front wheel gears for you guys that want to know. It's a $10 fix, and it's coming in the mail. (laughs) Getting through suffering, even in this present time, takes time. Sometimes we lose our directions and we have difficulty steering through it, but I just want to give you a little clip, a little clip from Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at it fully next week, but this little clip of a verse has helped many a believer to steer through troubled times of struggle, and here it is, here it is, this is the clip, it holds it all together, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We're going to look at that in depth next week as we talk about our great salvation. But for now, understand the reasons for our sufferings are many. It is inherent in our nature because of sin. We experience it in our groaning together. But if we suffer with him and we groan together, it's leading to a glory that will be revealed to us in time, that will make it worth it all, if not in this life, but in the life to come. Sometimes we're holding on for dear life, but while we do, let us hold on to the assurance that he is working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Thank you for listening. Would you bow together with me for a time of prayer? Father, we come before you now. We thank you for Romans 8. We had no idea when we planned to talk about suffering, how difficult the suffering of this present time, this present week will have been. And it's deep and it's troubling. But Father, we know that in the past history of our country, And of our world and of our faith, there's been a lot of suffering. But Father, your promises are just as true as they were last Sunday and the Sunday before. They are true. Father, help us to look up for you. And even as we look within now and receive the Lord's Supper, Father, may we be reminded of the sufferings of our Lord. Yes, he too suffered. He suffered for all of us that we might know your glory, the glory of your salvation, the glory of the victory that comes over all things bad in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lead us to the altar, lead us to the table. In Christ's name I pray it. Amen.